Well, consumers are feeling pretty excited because the Consumer Confidence Index popped to the highest reading we've seen in two years. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss the state of the global economy. First, we'll look at our newly released data on consumer confidence in the U.S., and then we'll dig into the economic outlook for China, Europe, and the U.S. Joining me today is Dana Peterson, the Chief Economist at the Conference Board. Dana, welcome. Hi, Steve. It's good to be here. Okay, so Dana, new consumer confidence numbers in the U.S. How were consumers feeling in July? Well, consumers are feeling pretty excited because the Consumer Confidence Index popped to the highest reading we've seen in two years. And it it reflected strength not only in the present situation, which has been pretty buoyant, but also in expectations. And in particular, expectations jumped above 80, which is the threshold that usually signals recession at some point. So, you know, with this data series, are you seeing any trends forming? Well, I think the trend is upward. We've had two uh, readings that were positive. And indeed, uh, after a very long period of the measure moving sideways, we've had this breakout out of this really tight range. So I think this is constructive and it may signal that consumers are less gloomy and that they will continue to be uh, more optimistic going forward. Now, the consumer confidence numbers are influenced pretty heavily by how consumers are feeling about you know, their own situation, meaning their jobs, their incomes, and, you know, what they're paying for, you know, important goods like food and gas. So what does this tell us about their state of mind? Well, when we look at the present situation, consumers are saying that they think business conditions are good. Um, That's probably because their companies aren't letting them go. So that's a good sign. And also they think that jobs are plentiful and the number of jobs that are hard to get are, are is is pretty low. So when you combine that where you think that your company is doing well and that you uh, have options if you wanted to move jobs, that really supports consumer confidence. And I think also what's supporting consumer confidence is that inflation gauges have come down pretty significantly, at least overall. Certainly, food prices are rising less aggressively, and gasoline prices are actually falling compared to a year ago. So when you're talking about the basics of food and energy, that's really important. That really brightens the mood among consumers. Yeah, and this is really important for people who have less money because food and gas are you know, a greater portion of, of their expenditures. And, and if gas prices have come down as much, maybe that's offset food a little bit. So Basically, their wages are going up and they're not net seeing the huge increase. No surprise that they're feeling better. Exactly. Real wages definitely are rising with overall inflation falling and also wage rates uh, still pretty elevated, well above 3%. And you mentioned something about lower income persons. And indeed, when we looked at the the guts of the report, people who were making less than $50,000 in general were pretty happy. Uh, we saw a big jump in ex- in excitement and confidence among that group. We also saw a material improvement in confidence among people making over $100,000. 
Now, I would say the only thing that bad thing about this report is that folks in the middle, people making fifty to one hundred thousand dollars, saw a decrease in their confidence in the month. So we're going to have to continue to watch that. But at least on the lower end of the income spectrum, folks who are most impacted by inflation, and on the upper end of the income spectrum, folks who had probably been seeing some gains from stock markets, were pretty optimistic in the month. But that trend has been pretty consistent with. Uh you know, the the people making the lowest amount having the least amount of confidence and vice versa. But t- tell us about, uh, you know, the age differentiation, because that's uh, that's been pretty consistent as well. Well, actually, in the month, everyone, regardless of age, was pretty happy. Um, we didn't see any differentiation in terms of older people being more, more uh, morose because of inflation or old, younger people being upset because they've never seen inflation. We didn't see that in the month. Everyone across the age spectrum was much more confident. Everybody's happy. That just rarely happens. Well, now that's the current situation. And we also, and the second part of the index is related to their expectations six months out. What does that tell us? Sure. Well, expectations popped. um, And it's the second month that we saw material increases in the gauge. And what's most significant is that it rose above 80. It landed at 88. And anything above the 80 threshold tends to signal that there, well, anything below the threshold tends to signal recession at some point over the next 12, six to 12 months. And so the fact that this moved into positive territory is quite significant. And indeed, of the three components of the expectations gauge, consumers were more optimistic about future business conditions and labor market conditions. They were a little less optimistic about incomes, but still in all, they think that they're going to be working and that the business uh, situation is going to be favorable for them. Yeah. Now, most economists, and including the conference board, has have predicted a mild and short recession at some point. This would suggest that consumers are actually more optimistic than economists. What does that tell us? Well, I think it tells us that, again, consumers are probably reacting to the fact that, yes, labor markets are are strong, and they have been for the last year and a half, but they're experiencing relief on inflation. Now, when you take when you ask economists, we are looking at inflation also, and we know that those inflation gauges, especially less food and energy, are still well above the two percent target. And the thing is that it's not clear how long it's going to get to take to get back to two percent. We think by the end of next year, um, it could happen faster or slower. It's not clear. But the point is that the Fed is looking at inflation being sticky, and in their minds, that means further interest rate hikes, most likely a hike at this week's meeting and potentially also one in September. We'll definitely have better a better gauge on that. But the Fed is also looking at the slowing of the, of the economy. Now, we're going to receive G, an update on GDP for the second quarter, but again, that's backward looking. Looking forward, we're expecting that consumer spending is going to slow, businesses are going to continue to pull back, and we're not going to see a meaningful rebound in the housing market until interest rates start falling more materially. So, And then we're probably also going to have some gyrations with inventories where businesses are probably going to continue to cut back on inventories given the fact that you don't have all the strong demand for goods. So when you fold that together, higher interest rates and certainly businesses pulling back on investments, even if they're holding on to their workers, then that does signal the potential for a recession at some point before the end of this year. 
Yeah, which is interesting. You know, it's and consumers are an important part of this mix, being what roughly seventy percent of our economy. So, the fact that they're remain remaining buoyant and spending, and that they have the money to spend because wages are still high, says maybe the recession that uh, everybody's predicting. You know, maybe it's not going to be as bad, right? Well, I mean, we didn't have a bad recession, Bryson. So it's really the question, is there going to be a recession at all, I think, at this point? Um, when it comes to consumer spending, absolutely, consumers are 70% of, of GDP in terms of their consumption. Um, but they are signaling that they're going to buy fewer durable goods. And we have seen that a bit. And certainly, if they're not buying homes, they're not filling it up with durable goods. And we had a special question in the survey that asked about services. Now, we know services have been mostly what con what consumers have been spending up, spending on. Uh, but the interesting thing is that consumers are saying they're going to spend less on things that they want and more on things that they need. And some of those things that they want, like they may want like vacations or or travel or going to the movies, those kinds of things have been keeping inflation elevated because there's been strong demand, but also not enough workers in those areas. So we really need consumers to pull back on that spending. And it sounds like spending on services in general, but especially on those, those higher price types of services. So I think that's going to, to come off. Um, again, we can't get too excited about data from months ago, right? Which is essentially the GDP data that we're going to get. And we need to be focused on what are the ingredients. Now, yes, most consumers are working. They're probably going to continue to work. But that excess savings is probably going to run out um, at this uh, by the fall um, because most people who at the lower end of the income spectrum probably already spent it. That's why they're using up their credit cards. Um, and the people at the upper end of the income spectrum, they may have some left over, but they're probably spending that out. And so at least that support is no longer going to be here. And then finally, I would mention you do have the student loan issue. Now, it seems like there's going to be kind of a ramp up and not a cliff <laughs> in terms of having to pay that back, but it could still have some implications for dampening consumer spending among certain folks. And, and let's not forget, um, starting in the fourth quarter, we will start to see the impact of the debt ceiling deal. Uh, which means reduced government spending. So that's also going to be a drag, whereas government uh, spending has more or less been a support to the economy with the multiple pieces of legislation that were passed over the last year or so. So folding all that together, it, it does sound like a slower story in terms of growth. Whether or not we descend into recession, um, that's the big question out there. Great. Anything else from uh, this Consumer Confidence Index survey? Well, we added some new questions um, on consumer finances, and then I think a really important one on recession. So as the expectations gauge jumped up above 80, the direct question that we asked in terms of whether consumers think a recession is coming actually dipped a little bit, but it's still below the highs that we've seen in that gauge. So consumers are signaling in general, you know, things may not be as bad as we once thought, but there's still a risk out there. We're discussing the Consumer Confidence Index results and the state of the economy. We're going to take a short break and be right back. 
Are you ready to transform your business and stay ahead of the competition? Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping the global economy, optimizing manufacturing processes, and transforming how users interact with popular platforms. Harnessing the power of AI can exponentially enhance your business's effectiveness and efficiency. However, navigating the risks associated with this transformative technology is critical. Privacy, integrity, the economy, and humanity are all at stake. That's why the Conference Board is your go-to resource for the expertise and foresight you need to leverage AI to its fullest potential and make strategic moves that propel your business forward. Unlock the possibilities AI offers your business. Visit tcb.org AI today to access trusted insights for what's ahead and guidance on navigating the AI transformation. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Dana Peterson, the Conference Board's Chief Economist. Okay, so Dana, we I think we pretty much covered the results of the Consumer Confidence Index and their views. So what are our expectations at the Conference Board for U.S. GDP for the latter part of this year and into next year? Sure. We anticipate that GDP is going to slow and potentially even have negative prints, um, maybe even starting in the third quarter of this year and extending into the first quarter of next year. Now, I'm sure everyone's revisiting their forecasts, but I would say that many economists still believe that there's going to be notably slower growth and potentially even recession at some point before the end of this year. And that's going to be characterized by, again, reductions in consumer spending, but also further reductions in business spending on capex and structures and reducing inventories, plus uh, some drag from uh, the debt ceiling deal on government spending. Yeah. Now, you know, I think the last measure we saw on GDP was a roughly a 2% growth rate. It doesn't have to necessarily go negative for us to feel like we're in a recession, right? I mean, if it went down 200 basis points, it would be flat and not negative. But that's still, you know, that would still be a, a significant slowing and still could feel recessionary. And I, it, it, so is that is that what economists call the soft landing? Let's let's take that in pieces. So that last reading was for the first quarter. And so that was that was seven months ago now. So the thing is that what's the second quarter going to look like? So that that may also be close to two percent. But the thing is that what happens in in the second half if that goes to zero? Well, then absolutely it's going to feel like a recession. But you know, for all intents and purposes, it will not technically be a recession by the NBER. Um, but certainly it's going to not feel good for consumers and and businesses are probably going to respond to that um, with letting people go. So we do anticipate that the unemployment rate's probably going to rise uh, about one percentage point from where it is now, but we're not really going to see much of that action until late this year or early next year. And one percentage point is roughly what a million jobs or so. It's right? about a million jobs, yes. Yeah. So um so is the soft landing possible? So the way I define soft landing is inflation returning or on its on the path back to 2% without causing a recession. That would be a soft landing. So even if you had growth that was just just above zero, 
that could potentially be characterized as a soft landing as long as inflation is cooling. And that's the, the key thing. It's like we, we don't have many readings of inflation, at least core inflation cooling. We have one reading from the CPI. So we need to see more readings, certainly from the personal consumption expenditure deflator uh, in order for there to be greater comfort for everyone to signal that inflation is cooling um, and that we're going to get back to 2% by the end of next year. Um, so, and that has to also correlate with the labor market holding up, right? And so far the labor market has been because of the two things I mentioned, labor shortages and also hoarding. But if businesses start taking down their job ads, and if they start getting really nervous that the economy is going to slow materially, then they will start letting people go. And that's going to be a part of that recessionary scenario that would not be a soft landing. But if you ask me about probabilities, I think the probability of recession is probably eased somewhat, and the probability of a soft landing has increased, but I'm not going to assign any <laughs> numbers to that uh, because there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Yeah. Last question about the U.S. is the Fed. Um, they're meeting again this week. How many more hikes do you predict that they will do? And then when do they start cutting? Sure. So we have an interest rate hike for this week in July, uh, for July, and then also a second one, most likely in September. There's no meeting in August. It, it, the second hike could be later if the Fed decides, well, we want to give ourselves some more time to think about what's going on in the economy. Um, if we see further slowing in, in inflation towards a target, then maybe we don't need a second hike. But whatever they do, one or two hikes, that's probably going to be it. And the Fed will pause for quite some time. We think they're probably not going to start cutting interest rates until the second quarter or the third quarter of 2024. Okay, let's turn to the rest of the world. Um, start with Europe. Um, is Europe in recession or do you project a recession for Western Europe? We did have a recession for Western Europe for the turn of the year from 2022 to 2023. And we and we did see a recession. Um, it was called a technical recession because Europe had, well, the Euro area had two quarters of negative GDP growth. Now we don't have that definition in the US because we have an official arbiter, which is the NBER. Europe doesn't have that. So two negative quarters. However, when you dig beneath the surface, Again, much of the weakness was in Ireland, and Ireland tends to swing the GDP for the euro area back and forth because you have uh, payments and money moving in and out of corporate headquarters, uh, many of which have relocated to that economy. So if you removed Ireland, actually, the euro area did okay. Um, but even keeping Ireland in, most of the, the indicators that we're seeing, certainly with respect to services, are improving and Europe um, is doing better because inflation is falling. And that's mainly prices for natural gas that also seeped into the core. Uh, so with falling inflation, that's improving the outlook for Europe. And we expect that that's going to continue. Um, and so we think that both the Bank of England and the ECB are probably very close to finishing their tightening cycle in terms of raising interest rates. Now, Eastern Europe, of course, is a different issue. Yes. So the issue with, well, it's it's mainly, it's not all of Eastern Europe, it's mainly Russia and Ukraine. And Ukraine, they are in a wartime economy. So 
um, Ukraine is definitely experiencing recession. The interesting thing is that Russia is saw softer growth, but they didn't necessarily go into a recession. And that's potentially because they were still able to export their energy through other avenues, uh, despite sanctions, um, and were also still able to export their grains. And additionally, there were some supports internally from the uh, from the government and the central bank to help uh, soften the blow for Russia. But certainly, uh, when you're looking at Ukraine, it's definitely in a wartime economy, uh, which is which means negative growth, and um, it's not clear when. Certainly, the conflict will end in a and what we hope will be a positive uh, way, and then the rebuilding must begin. And with the grain deal collapse, you know, that could impact food inflation around the world, right? Absolutely. And indeed, um, we we have run scenarios in the past looking at the impact of, of, of uh, reductions in grain production. The thing is that, uh, sorry, grain exports, the thing is that the blow this time around, if there is, if the grain deal isn't renewed, would be smaller because many economies that suffered the first effect um, earlier in the in the conflict have found new avenues to purchase grain from. For example, the U.S. is a huge exporter of grain, and the U.S. was able to make up some of that the loss that was experienced from the conflict. Okay, last area of the world is China, world's number two economy, China's not looking so well these days. Well, I think uh, it's it's really relative. So many economists out there had very elevated forecasts for China for this year because they were anticipating, quote unquote, revenge spending from uh, many years of being locked down due to COVID. But we always had a very conservative forecast in around 5%. Um, Now, it could be a little bit lower than that, but certainly not a recession in China, but also not as exuberant as many other people thought. And the reason we always had a conservative forecast for China or a few reasons is that we did not expect consumers to spend um, tons and tons of money. Why? Because their confidence was very low and also because they lost quite a bit of wealth from the housing crisis in China. So their home price valuations fell. And so they've been engaging in precautionary savings, which basically means you're not spending. <laughs> so uh, the consumer is not contributing. You also have pretty outsized debt among many uh, regional and provincial governments. And that's related, again, to the housing crisis where they were receiving quite a bit of revenue from that activity and that activity is stopped. And then finally, China is very much exposed to the rest of the world in terms of, of exports. And Growth in in Europe slowed this year, and and the U.S. growth is also slowing relative to last year. So that means less demand for Chinese goods, and so those things together are impacting the Chinese economy, and certainly causing other forecasters to downgrade their projections for this year. Any closing thoughts? Well, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, but when we're looking at the U.S., the numbers are are getting better in terms of inflation. Um, we still have some cloudiness with respect to growth. And again, the GDP data are just very, very lagged. But when we look at uh, measures like consumer confidence, it suggests that at least consumers are feeling less, uh, they're feeling more ebullient and potentially that's going to help affect a soft landing, which would be the optimal 
result from the perspective of the Fed. Dana Peterson, thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with all of your colleagues and your friends and every budding economist that you know. I'm Steve Odland, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.